Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Uh, Pastor told me a long, when I got here, in fact, he said, you know, you never know when something's going to happen. You should always have a sermon in your pocket. So this is my, this is the one that's been in my pocket for a little bit. And yet, uh, I believe that it's an important word for us today, or at least an encouraging word. That's what I hope that it will be. And it's based on something that you've heard quite frequently. I was in the hospital this week, had occasion to do visiting, and there was a nurse who had tattooed on her arm, uh, Jeremiah 2911. It's a verse that's very familiar to uh, many people today, and it's in your notes. Uh, and I, I felt it was kind of an interesting thing that she would put that on there. Maybe it's a reminder to her, or maybe it's an encouragement to the people that she serves. But here's what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. How many of you heard that verse before? How many of you are kind of hoping that it applies to you? Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. I want to shake you up a little bit and, uh, and answer the question, does this verse apply to me? And the answer is, well, sort of. That got your attention? Good. Those words, that, though they uh, bring comfort to people, when they're put in the context that they were given, can sometimes be a little bit actually perplexing. If you have quoted this, this verse and you don't know the context of this verse, where in between what this verse was given, I want to help you with that a little bit tonight because I think it may help you even more to appreciate what that verse means to each of us. Because Jeremiah 29 is indeed an affirmation of God's goodness and, and his intention for good, for hope, for, for uh, good things for us. But the story around it is a little bit more compelling than you might know. So God's people have been carried away into exile. They have been ripped from their homes. Families have been separated. Some people have died. They're being marched off to a, a place they've never been to before. And as far as they know, they're not coming back. And it's a time of great distress. And in the midst of that, as they are being deported to a, a foreign land and relocated, Jeremiah wrote a letter to the people who had been exiled, God's people. And if all he had written was that little statement, well, that would be one thing. But he wrote a whole lot more, and it's in your notes, Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7. Here's what he says, and he's speaking on behalf of God to the people who have just been ripped from their homes and exiled. Here's what he tells them. This is what God wants them to do. He says, while you are in exile, basically, build homes and plan to stay. Not exactly the encouraging word that you want to hear when you're being marched off. But God's speaking to his people. He has a plan and he has a purpose. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. And then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. Don't let captivity allow you to become less than you are. And work. This is interesting. These people have just taken you from your home. They've just destroyed your village. And what he says is, work for the peace and prosperity of the city I'm sending you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Whew. That's not exactly what you want to hear when that happens. So the people of that time are finding out that the prophet is not foretelling a quick resolution to this. We haven't even gotten to the, yeah, I know the plans I have for you yet. It's going to take 
time. In fact, the prophet tells them it's going to take 70 years of being in exile in that city. And God says, while you're there, live life. Start homes, plant gardens, eat the food, get married, have children, have more children. And God is saying you're going to be there for a while. So I want you to know it so that you can, instead of diminishing while you're there, you can have this wonderful life. In the middle of exile? Yes, in the middle of exile. God wants them to be blessed and to do great things. They, in, instead of being obstinate and bitter about where God has allowed them to go, God wants them to plant roots in that place. Rather than isolating and resisting, God says, get into it. Pray for these people as if the, what you're praying for is going to come back and benefit you because guess what? It is. That's not at all what you'd think that a people would want to hear from God when they're in that position. And it's after that point that God says, because I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to take care of all of these things. That's what follows the bad news. The good news is this is how your life is going to be. It's going to be for 70 years, but don't you worry. Dig in because I know the plans that I have for you down the road, God says. We tend to personalize that verse. I know the plans I have you because it brings us a sense of comfort, doesn't it? Here's what you need to remember. God gave that promise and that comfort first to his people way back then. Now, there are many things, we'll talk about the principle of this in just a minute. There are many things that God says in his word that tie all of this together. And so in a broader sense, this is for us. But the specific purpose, the specific promise was to those people. And it included a good deal of suffering that was going to have to happen before God's ultimate purpose, which was to restore them, could take place. God's message to us in, in this is twofold. Number one, thrive. Thrive in the midst of your struggle. Because the good news is at a certain point down the road, I have wonderful plans for you for a wonderful future. Friends, I want God to give me that great plan right now. How about you? But it doesn't work that way. Sometimes the very suffering that we go through is a part of this wonderful plan that God has for us to give us a great future. And he's telling his people, don't you think I've forgotten about you? I am with you. Do great. Prosper while you are in that place. And maybe tonight, in the midst of this, maybe God is giving you permission to thrive where you are while you wait for his great plan and the good things that he has for you. God told them, don't dwindle away. Don't dwindle away. We work for peace and prosperity and pray because the future of the city that you're in is your future too. So let me ask you something. Does Jeremiah 29, 11 apply to you? I told you earlier, sort of. How does that work? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11 has to be read in the context of the whole book of Jeremiah. I've just given you a little bit of context for that. The book of Jeremiah has to be read in the context of Israel's entire story as a nation. And then all of Jeremiah's and all of Israel's history and story has to be read in the context of God's overarching plan to save the world. That one verse is a little piece of a much greater plan that God has to redeem 
everything. And so in its context, in that whole, in, in, in that whole big field, yes, it is for us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. So in that regard, yes, it applies to you. It applies to me. And if we are in Christ, then the blessings of Abraham, the blessings that God promised to his people and to the generations to come flow into our lives by virtue of those promises coming true in Christ. Does that make sense? Think of what that means to you and me. While we may be, like we're in exile, while we may be walking through suffering, the principle is the same. God has a great plan in store for us. It's a plan for good. And yet, as Jeremiah shows us, that plan may include, in part, some struggle, but it's for our future good. God's telling the, the exiles in that context, this is going to be, you're going to be scattered, and you're going to be there for a while, but your scattering isn't accidental. It is, in fact, a part of the good plan that I have for you. See, it's not like, hey, there's this bad plan that I have for you, and then suddenly I know the other plan that I have for you that's going to turn out really, really well. It's all part of the same plan. It's part of the plan that God had for us, part of the plan that God had for everyone since time began. And we have to put ourselves in the context of that long-term plan, and that plan includes sometimes even what seems chaotic and random. That's a part of God's plan too, but it will lead to good. God also tells his people, your exile is not going to be permanent. Yeah, you're going to be there for 70 years. But when the 70 years is over, (laughs) wait till you see what I have for you. I believe God wants to tell some of you tonight, and you've been struggling for a long time, and you're right there in the middle of the exile, if you will. God wants to tell you, you're going to need to go through this for a while. That's a part of my plan for you too, but don't you worry. It's not going to last forever. Your life will not always be this way. And God assures them that the plans aren't permanent. I want to tell you something that we tell our daughter. Shelly and I have our daughter and her husband. They've been struggling for a couple of years financially and in other ways. And she's often calling and saying, Daddy, is life going to always be like this? And I tell her with absolute assurance, based on what we know of God, no, sweetheart, it is not always going to be like this. Yesterday, or in the past, they had all sorts of money. Yesterday, life was really, really good. And all of that good was not a predictor of what today was going to be like when it's a struggle, when it's hard. But just as yesterday was not a predictor of today, today is not a predictor of tomorrow. You will not always walk through this valley. You will not always have this struggle because in the end, God is using this, and at the end of it, God has a wonderful, perfect plan for your good at the end of that journey or at the next step of the journey. So God has plans for you, and they are good plans. Well, what plans does he have, and what do I have to do to thrive while I wait? He told his people thrive. So we'll go through this list fairly quickly. Number one, he has told us in other places in his word, and all of these things apply, to not be afraid, to fear not, and to stand strong. I researched how many times the Bible says fear not or don't fear, and it's amazing to me how there's no agreement in this. One of these days, maybe someone in this room will go through and actually count them out. There are anywhere from 60 of them to 80 of them to 365 of them, if you can believe that. But let me just tell you, having not counted them personally, there are a lot. God says, don't be afraid. Fear 
not because he encourages us and commands us not to. Second Chronicles 15, but as for you, be strong and courageous for your work will be rewarded. Isaiah 41, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Sometimes you feel like you're in the midst of your struggle by yourself and God says, listen, don't you be afraid. Don't fear, I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. How many feel just a little bit encouraged by that? It's the word of God to us tonight, to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. That means courage is my choice. God tells me to be courageous, therefore I can be courageous, therefore I must be courageous, therefore I will be courageous and I will be strong. That's one of the things you do when you're in exile waiting for the rest of the plan. We can do that because we're never alone. Take a look at Hebrews 13. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Here's the punchline. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Some of you need to take this home and read it again and remind yourself that God has promised he will never abandon you. Never means never. What's there to be afraid of? God is with us. We are never alone. We can be courageous because we are his. We belong to him. In the Old Testament, God said it one time, well, more than one time, but in this way, in Isaiah 43, don't fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You don't belong to Satan. You don't belong to hard times. You belong to me. That's in the Old Testament. Steve, did God say anything like that in the New Testament for us? Yes, he sure did. Is that true today? Yes, it is. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that's what we are. Don't get too excited. But the creator of heaven and earth, God Almighty, the king of the universe, says you're his child and you belong to him. What do you need to be afraid of? Have courage. Be strong. And listen, it's not that we've identified ourselves as God's children. It's that God has identified us as his children. He does it. What do we have to fear? You can trust God and never give up. That's one of the things we do, and we can trust him because we can. Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. We have a hope for a great future and plans for a great future because God can do anything. He's called us his own, and God can do anything. God's got this, no matter what this is. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God wants to say to you, I've got this. And what this is doesn't matter. No matter what it is, God's got it. Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything, all things, to work together for the good of those who love God. You love God? You're in. And are called according to his purpose for them. We have reason to be, not to be fearful and not to give up. Psalm 37, 24, though they stumble, they will never fall because the Lord holds them by the hand. So far, so good. Do you understand how it's very possible that we have plans for a great future? Amen. Yes, Steve, I sure do. 
Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Because we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates our faith. So we have help in this process. We can do it because God gives us help. Galatians 6, 9, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. Because guess what? At just the right time, we'll re- we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I wish I could remember the story. But it was a story about someone who set out to swim. It was a woman, I think, who set out to swim the English Channel. And she started swimming. And she got there. And, and she was just, it was really difficult. And she, just kept, she kept going. And she kept working hard out and the fog came in and she didn't know where she was and she gave up half a mile from the shore half a mile from the finish and she said if I had known how close I was to the end I believe I could have kept going friends don't give up we're closer to the end of this than you know just keep going God wants us to continue not get tired of doing what is good I do play a role in this. You do play a role in this. We have something that is required of us. Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7. God told his people, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Find spouses for them so you can have many grandchildren. Multiply. Don't dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare determines your welfare. We are supposed to work. We are supposed to pursue God's best while we're waiting. So number one, what do we do? Persevere. Philippians 3.12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, Paul said. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing forgetting the past, what's behind me, and looking forward to to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of that race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There are great things waiting at the end of the race. God has promised he'll help us. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Man, you've heard that so many times. Don't gloss over it. Don't let it escape you. I can do everything through Christ who's going to strengthen me so that I can. It's not up to me. Christ is there to do it, and I can do anything. Psalm 37, the Lord directs the step of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. And though they stumble, they will never fail. For the Lord holds them firmly by his hand. Friends, you might stumble. You will never fail. You will never fall because God is holding your hand. Can I ask you something real quick? What would you do for God today if you knew you couldn't fail? Maybe that's what God wants you to do. He's promised. He won't let you fail. He won't let you fall. He will hold your hand and step with you every single step of the way. And it's not about me and it's not about you. It's his spirit through us. I choose to trust and continue seeking because his spirit helps me to do it. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your understanding. What's the implication? Depend on his. Let him give you understanding. Trust in him 
And then it says in the next verse, seek his will, not yours. But the word seek, I bolded that. I don't know if it's that way in your notes because it's an active, it's an action verb. We're supposed to seek his will in all that we do. And guess what? Here's a promise for you. He will show you which path to take. Can't tell you how many believers I hear, oh, I just don't know what the will of God is for my life. Seek God. Seek God. Seek his will. Ask him in all you do. He will show you. Number three, we wait. We wait. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who trust in or wait for the Lord will find new strength. Friends, we want it now. We want it yesterday. But sometimes we just have to wait because we serve a faithful God who's going to come through for us and take care of these things. He's working on it. He's got this. Just wait for him to do that. The Hebrew word for that is kavah, and it means to wait or to look for or to hope or expect. So what it's saying is expect, look for, eagerly look for the Lord to come through for you. Those who trust in the Lord, who wait for the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint. Is that a good plan and a good future for you? Yes, yes. And in the context of all these promises and all of these, this wonderful news that we've just read about, sits that verse, don't you worry, you're going to go through hard times, but I know the plans that lie ahead for you. Plans for good, plans to prosper you, plans to take care of you. Here's God's plan for your future. The Lord promises, number one, one day you're going to be with him. How many find that to be good news? Me too. Jesus said, in my father's home, house, are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare that place for you, guess what? I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. The Lord promises that one day you'll be with him. Is that a good future? Whew. The Lord promises that one day his work in you will be complete. How many of you are ready for that to be today? I'm ready to be what he wants me to be. I'm, I'm sick and tired of this stuff. There is a day coming. That is a part of his plan for you for a great future. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, you are a work in progress, and God is not done with you yet, and you are a part of the good plan that he has for you. The Lord promises that one day you'll be like Jesus. How many of you got a ways to go? But there's a promise that one day we will. We will, and it's a great future. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, we're God's children now, and what we, see, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. We will be changed like him. He will finish that work in us because we will see him as he is. Is that a good future? Yeah. The Lord promises that one day, can't even imagine this, one day you will see his face. Revelation 22, no longer will there be any, anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign, live, prosper forever 
and ever. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for a future and for good. The Lord promises that one day he's going to wipe, wipe away those tears from your eyes. Promises it. Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from everyone's eyes and death will be no more. And neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. Everything is going to be new. I know the plans that I have for you for a future and a hope. So in the biblical context, in the proper biblical context, Jeremiah 29.11 is right. God does have plans for you, for your future. And while you're on the journey, while you wait for that redemption and you wait for restoration and you wait for healing and provision and direction, trust and wait and dig in. God's got something good for you. Will you bow your heads tonight? Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.